we're here, Ed. We've done it. We've made it to the end of the season. And uh, that's something to be grateful for. So, you know. It, it is. It was uh, 61 games long. Zero trophies won. <laughs> One second place finish achieved in the league. Yeah. 61 games last season as well. So, nice. Oh. Uh, this, that's why I'm exhausted. Also zero trophies. <laughs> four weeks in between the two seasons. Two 61-game seasons. I guess we had a, a break in the middle you, of last you, you season. Do, you do realise you didn't do any of the running here. So you just had to watch them do it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I wonder what's more exhausting, playing for Man United or having to think about them? Yeah. Yeah, well, I imagine the playing bit, you know, physically. Although they, yeah. they can be draining. Uh, they, yeah. I mean, are you... The Europa League final, that being the last game of the season, is particularly, you know, if it, if it hadn't been that bad and it was really bad, yeah. um, I, I wonder whether the recency bias might kick in and, you know, oh, yeah, United beat whoever on the last day of the Wolves. season. Wolves. Wolves. And yeah, not bad. But then came that. They turned out one of the most pathetic games in the in the final one, the most important one. Uh, but I put it up in the last... It was bad. Yeah, was I think really it was bad. bad. I do. I think it was really bad. I don't think it was pathetic though, because I think they. I think pathetic is when it looks like they're not trying in a way. They were really well, trying, really okay, hard. Okay, maybe maybe frame it as it was really bad, and they were very tired, and then the manager's performance was. I think pathetic. Yeah, is good yeah, yeah. For I, the manager. I've been thinking about this a lot because we recorded it literally on full time, so it was you know, it was all totally fresh. I don't know if I said this. But I think um, this is something, that's a game that if he's humble enough, Solskjaer can learn a huge amount from in terms of what he has to do to grow as a manager. Because I think you can, you know, we, 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 can, we know that culturally he's doing something that hasn't been done for a long time that's been needed to be done for a really long time. And it's working to an extent culturally. The... The atmosphere around the club's changed. The team spirit's clearly there. Got rid of some players. There's there's a an energy to United. There's youth all over the shop, you know, all that stuff. Great. But clearly he has these real limitations. And 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 in this game, he did his Fergie impression in the starting eleven. He went big. He 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 rolled the dice and 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 gambled. But that's not his instinct. It is Fergie's instinct. It's not his instinct. And you saw that as the game went on and it was incumbent on him to make such a huge decision to, to move away from his plan A, which we know could have suddenly clicked and started working at any time to roll the dice to a plan B. But he couldn't bring himself to step away from it. You know, he, he froze... And and he almost looked like that on the touchline that he'd frozen, and uh, and that's something you can learn from. You can you can do some work on why was it that when it came down to it, I wasn't able to make the big gamble. If he wants to become a manager who does make the big gamble in that situation at some point, which I do think would improve him a lot. Yes, I mean, um, I mean, we we uh, you're zooming out a little little bit there, which I think is the right thing to do, and and. You know, the whole season isn't framed by that performance and result against Villarreal, although I think it will shape a lot of the discussion. 
um, both over the summer and, as you can see, has has already happened and and going into next season. Um, and and it allows us to have you know have a think about look like what is the real Manchester United. So uh, looking at the nominations for the top twenty goals this season, <laughs> missing one, missing one, but some. Uh, well, one missing a very important <laughs> goal, um, and then um, which we'll get onto in a bit, uh, and then just you look at the quality that United can produce, uh, and it's outstanding. It, there's some truly outstanding goals there, individual yeah. skills and team stuff, and you know, and you think, okay, you can build on some of that, but you know, you dig into the fundamental stats um behind behind united season it you know it's the fourth best defense um in terms of expected uh, and the fourth best attack in terms of expected uh, both goals and goals against um and the fourth best expected points right so and then you just dig further into that and actually some of the united's fundamentals don't look very good and and of course there was like kind of wild swings in performances in the season and and i thought a lot of that i think a lot of that is to do with you know one uh, the quality we have beyond the first eleven, there's a big drop off, and I think it's it's bigger than uh, perhaps some of our rivals. Discounting Manchester City because they can go to thirty players and there not be much drop off, <laughs> um, and 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 Solskjaer's lack of trust in them as a result, and you know, and and so clearly there's there's an awful lot of players who've played in like mid these games, you know, and clearly there's some burnout as a result, and I, I you know, and I think that does impact. Um, and then you, you've got a bunch of other caveats like they had no preseason, well, they had one preseason game, so it's going to take them five or six games. And, and funnily enough, they lost three of their first six games, yeah. you know. And uh, and then the burnout towards the end um, also meant another couple of defeats. And, and yeah, and you can kind of create some fair caveats and you can create a story that says, hey, there's something to build on here and we can go forward. Um, you know, then I look at the uh, the underlying data for United and some of the rivals and, and I could also build a story to say, you know, it's going to be very difficult for Solskjaer to even match what has happened this season, um, and 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 for him to do that, it might mean the club needs to go forward. But anyway, that's you know what that's, you mean, that's for later. I, I just mean that I, I I just mean that um, so United's numbers uh, both in terms of you know expected points, expected goals against, expected goals for, at number of shots. Um, and some of the build-up numbers aren't as good as the actual data. Oh yeah, yeah, got, no, I, I, right? so we outperform that. quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, I got that. What I mean is, uh, what did you mean by um, the the just a little bit at the end about like? Are you saying that you don't think it's particularly that's likely not, that? You, or that's that you not could... true of Chelsea and Liverpool, for yeah. example. Yeah, yeah. So all things being equal, um, or you know if there's some kind of regression to the mean, then you'd expect Chelsea and Liverpool to do better than United next season. And um, so, yeah. And, and so I think that's kind of when we think about going forward, that's actually the base. Um, it's a truer base than, and people, you can mock this, one could mock this. It's almost a truer base than United finished second. Therefore, you know, we're progressing from last season's third. 
Um, uh, well, we are, but you dig in and it doesn't always look quite as pretty as that. But I, I guess this is, and this is not something we have to move on from because this is the end of season review and that inherently is about analysing where we are in relation to where we were last season and what we look to do moving forward. I, I mean, I haven't looked at the, I haven't compared the underlying data this season to the underlying data last season, but I almost think the more interesting thing isn't how are we doing versus our expected performance this season, it's how does our expected performance this season compare with last season and is there an improvement there because last season we overperformed all sorts of metrics right at the back end of the season to kind of jammy our way into third place um, with some I mean basically the only good football we played was after January and the only really good football we played was after Project Restart you know yeah I I did actually look at this it's kind of funny so 64 expected points this season and 74 actual points and last season it was 66 actual points and 70 expected points. Right, so right underperformed right. on the points. Um, and it's quite a wild swing as a result. And of course, like, you know, I, I think it's, it's so hard, like, comparing season to season because there's so many, you know, dynamics involved there, including the performance of other clubs. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you always have to play somebody else, don't you? I mean, I, I do think of all the kind of underlying metrics, expected points is one of the worst because... I mean, I think expected goals are an incredibly valuable data point for um, working out what's really going on with a team. Like, for example, Brighton, we've joked about it on the backers content all season. Brighton would have had to have such a catastrophic end of the season for them not to be completely safe by the end of the season when it looked dodgy whether they'd make it or not. And that was about their expected goals. And expected points tends to be, like, it looks at the expected goals scored and conceded. Just game state plays so much into these things. And, you know, it's, it's such a... Like looking at... Because expected points relies on expected goals working in one game. Which it doesn't. Yes. Like, and, and that's, you know, so I, I think it's it's a slightly dodgy metric in, in that sense. But having said that, I, th- I think that qualitatively, watching United this season has been a very different experience than it's been for True. a really long time. And inherently, this is a team that you would almost expect to do better than its underlying numbers because the quality of finishers, like goal scorers, is, I mean, you know, that 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 goal of the season compilation, it, this has got to be our best goal of the season compilation for quite some time, I guess, um, uh, with yeah, this no, and last no, no. season, actually. I, I think that's very true. And you can make an argument there to say, well, you know, yes, absolutely, United could continue to outperform expected goals mm. um, as a result because of the individual quality. Um, and maybe even, you know, continue, like, increase that um, if um, if Solskjaer was able to coach any kind of attacking patterns of play um, other than um, uh, goal scored on the transition, uh, which he hasn't yet done in, in two and a half years of, as a coach. But we'll see, you know, there's time still. Um, there's and, another and three years, United, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. Uh, we only signed that contract, yeah. Um, we'll talk about some of that. Uh, I think with the players, when we think about um, how United might evolve, um, but but um, that would point to like sorting out the defensive part of United's game, which isn't just defenders; it's it's the the double pivot in midfield yeah. as being the really key one this season. Um, so when United spunk 150 million on Harry Kane to solve a problem that doesn't really exist, 
then um, we'll, we'll know they've really, they're really using that team of analysts hard, won't we? I mean, anyway, the, the fact that that's sort of vaguely possible at this stage is, I mean, it's just awful. I know, I know that, you know, when we signed Cavani, I was really annoyed. And this season would have been a lot worse if we hadn't signed Cavani. And oh, I, for sure. Yeah. I guess like next season will be better if United sign Harry Kane than if they didn't. Like they don't do any other business. You just sign Harry Kane or not. Well, yeah, you know. But an actually good transfer window. And now we're really talking. I mean, you know, the position of the rival clubs is very interesting. You'd imagine if, if so long as Klopp manages to get a proper rest this summer and isn't burning out himself, which the end of the season would suggest probably isn't because he got a team that was really on the brink of something pretty disastrous and and engineered a very substantial winning run at the end of that yeah. of the end of the season Tuchel's just won the flipping Champions League with Chelsea a squad that we said at the beginning of the season the season preview they'd signed really well in the summer and really significantly improved and bought a load of players that United could have done with in one way or another um and that hasn't totally been the case but Tuchel's definitely gotten you know, in a very in much better situation, let's say. And and I think some of their league results at the end of the season are offset by the Champions League being on the horizon. And indeed, some of United's end of... There's just two losses in at the end of the season that United had that are just literally because we had yeah. the Europa League final coming up. So we could lose that. Um, but, but, you know... I, you'd expect both of them to be better than they were this season overall next season. Yeah. Um, and City, you would expect to be probably better than they were this season in the league because the first half of the season, they struggled a little bit. They had no preseason and struggled to get going and, you know. It's it's very true. I mean, it will be interesting with Guardiola and, and City, you know, what they do business-wise. So, you know, you, you'd imagine the... Uh, the uh, well, they always spend the uh, GDP of a small state because that's exactly how they got where they are. But you'd imagine they'd be quite willing to do that this um, this summer, and whether they sign a forward or not will be interesting because they played much of the second half of the season with no forward, culminating in that really quite funny Champions League final in which they played six attacking midfielders, no defensive midfielders, and no forwards. Good, good work, Pep. Good work. Um, yes. Anyway, I, I mean, I do think that's fair context to. To set both United's performance this season, the varying struggles of Chelsea and, and Liverpool, and and um, the challenges United might face going into next season. Um, anyway, I don't know. Is that is that we we haven't really talked sort of month to month United's performance, but I, I I do kind of think that in broad swathes that kind of sets out the context for the whole season as a whole. I mean, yeah. Should we should we talk about each of the competitions? Second in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, thumbs up. Never, there was never a title challenge there, but oh, there was. Best of the rest, two two weeks, two, two weeks, beautiful top of the league. weeks. <laughs> yeah, um, and and it did fall away. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know whether anyone was really super surprised by that. I don't think we actually thought we were best in the best in the league. Although maybe we should listen back to some pods around January time. And <laughs> I had little, I had a little twinkle in me. I had a little dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, quarterfinals, the FA Cup beaten like pretty easily by Leicester yeah disappointing one that one one of those big games where United didn't really turn up uh lost in the semi-final of the uh what's it called these days I always forget Carabao, Carabao Cup yeah. League Cup 
the milk cup. I, I just remember it's Carabao because um, a City fan friend of mine put on Instagram, you know, the Drake meme of him looking at, like, he's, like, turning away from the yes. Champions League and pointing at a crate of Carabao, like, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I really like, so... So, uh, semi-finals there, being well beaten by City um, uh, in terms of performances over those two legs, you know, okay. Um, and then, you know, dumped out of the Champions League. Hugely disappointing that was. That was awful. Given the, the quality of teams who were playing, you know, especially that tie with Istanbul away. I mean, um, the thing about that is we'd have been knocked out of the Champions League. Maybe, maybe, like... As soon as we played someone decent, we probably would have lost right in the Champions League. I think. Maybe not. I mean, this is a weird team. It's a weird team to say a thing like that about because, you know, if we turned up, properly turned up against Villarreal, we'd have destroyed them. You know, they could, you know, if if we'd had three of our five attacking players on song in that game, it had been all over. Um, so I'm saying we'd have got destroyed in the Champions League in the in the knockout stages, but probably can't actually really say that. But it was still hugely disappointing to go out the way we did. Yeah, and who knows who United would have played. Leipzig played Liverpool, of course, and I don't think that could have been a draw. No, right, yeah. Um, in the round 16. But, uh, you know, I, I, there's clearly, um, given the other teams we played in the Europa League, and there weren't, I mean, there was one great half against uh, Roma, wasn't there? And three not great halves. Um, Milan won... Very good half away from home. So, you know, I, I don't know. They're, United are not in the top sort of 10 best um, teams in Europe. Progress needs to be made there. Um, some of that's coach, some of that's players. We'll, you know, we'll see. I'd, we'll obviously be in the group stage of the Champions League next season and um, we'll see where we got to. But that, that was really disappointing. And then Europa League run was, was, uh, was fun until it wasn't fun. Um, and you know, I think every everyone should be disappointing, disappointed about that, and everyone should look at the mistakes made in that and ask some bigger questions um, about what it means for sure. So, you know, what do you, what do you rating season as a whole? What do you what do you think the number is out of ten? So hard, you know, because I, I feel like this kind of goes back to the first conversation, and, and you're completely accurate in my opinion point that we actually don't know where United are and. And and if you'd said to me at the end of last season we're going to finish second in the league this season, I'd have gone. Well, that's an am- that's amazing. That's you know, and and we're going to have a bunch of fun on the way. And one of the reasons there won't be a title charge is because we lost a bunch of games. You know, we were kind of out of it before it even really started because right. we didn't have a preseason. Like all of that stuff. That's amazing. And oh, by the way, semi final, final, and quarter final in the cups, which is sort of empirically good, right? empirically that means that we progress through many rounds of many cup competitions i mean it's a bit weird with europa because you get into it by failing so what we beat three teams in the europa league um but you know we 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 had to win a lot of games to get even the fa cup we had that fantastic uh, i think fourth round game against liverpool um yeah. which was where we won 3 twos, maybe like the most fun game of the season. Uh, that's got the Mason Greenwood goal in it, right? The one where he does the little wave. I think that's from that game. Yes. Um right, yes. It, you know, so but anyway, that that is um all a long-winded way of saying I don't know. I don't know what I th- I don't know what I think. I'm torn between cuz you you see the argument presented in kind of like we were having a, a row about politics before the show even 
Row is absolutely not the right word. We were having a discussion where we broadly disagree about some stuff about politics. I mean, your, your love of Boris Johnson shocks me, <laughs> I'm going to say. Um, and, um, but, but, you know, the whole mission of this show is to demonstrate that it's possible to have some nuance and hold two thoughts in your head at the same time, right? That's, we talk about it all the time. I have seen extremely coherent arguments that actually United are sort of a disaster at the moment and extremely coherent arguments that United are doing... I mean, we're clearly doing better than we've been doing at any point in the post-Ferguson era, except Mourinho, who I... Like, he's my least favourite manager in the world, did win a bunch of trophies at United, you know. Yes, um, well... Rubbish ones. But yeah, yes, you know. he, he won all the rubbish ones. Yeah, both. In um, fact, he won two, so I don't know why I said a bunch. But you know, and finished second in the league. And but and it was a rubbish second. second. Is, it was a rubbish second, but his greatest ever achievement, eighty-one points, is is comfortably the biggest number of points the United have had um, post Ferguson. So, but it's you know, better we'll, now, we'll right? Give him that. It's it's better now. The football is better now, but it's not consistent. No, but um, uh, it it reaches higher highs for sure than under Mourinho. And uh, you know, I I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't for a moment, not least because of my uh, inbuilt um, extreme biases, which I don't <laughs> hide at all. But I wouldn't for a moment try and pretend that football was ever good under Jose. You know, won a lot of games though, and there was a, that period where four 0 FC emerged. Um, yeah, like as, six as it has games in, at the beginning of that season, yeah. right? That was and that's about it. So, you know, it's there's more entertainment now, and that's what football's about. Yeah, um, and I, I guess what we want to do is on some winning, don't we? And and you know, winning shiny pots that we can hold up and mock friends on Twitter <laughs> about that kind of thing. The, that's, that's what winning trophies is for, isn't it? What's weird is United are like. They are a cup team in a lot of ways, except they can't win any cups, which is like quite a bad thing for a cup team. They're not a league team, right? But so it, it, the 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 grade that you give United overall for the season has to be dep- like um, if you compare it to the last twenty years, it's a C. If you're being it's reasonably generous, probably to give it a C. But also. It, Comparing it to the last 20 years is just silly because, well, I don't keep saying the last 20 years, but it's been eight since we last won the league. So, you know, that's almost half of that time we've been rubbish for. I mean, if you compare it to the last eight years alone, this is an A++ season compared to what's been, I guess not. I guess it would be like a, a good B+, but, you know, we've, we're too spoiled to possibly give it a good B+, I think. Um, to me, like a C seems like simultaneously harsh and fair. I don't know. I, I'm yeah. confused. C six out of ten. I mean, it's hard to call it more than that because ultimately, there's you know, he didn't win anything, just didn't, and you know, no, but and but for a few, we, we finished above like you know, we finished above everyone except for the petrochemical league destroyers like you know the kind of the 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 unsporting kind of yeah, yeah. financially doped like it's like we basically won the tour de france except lance armstrong actually got given it but we really want it you know because he was whatever this is true i'm talking just to be clear just 
for Manchester City's lawyers, I'm only talking about the way that money has been spent, just to be clear. That's that's the, the comparison with Lance Armstrong was not meant I mean, to be I think chemical. All, all those newspaper reports out there linking Pep with Dr. Fuentes, I mean, totally unfair. No. I mean, if that's... you were to Google Dr. Fuentes, Pep, and any of the shenanigans that that particular fellow got up to, you know, and and you would conclude that any of Pep's teams were doped, it would be really, really unfair. But some people have done that, and it's very wrong of them. Don't do that. Anyway, um, no, no, I take your point. It's fair to say United have been the best of the rest, and and you know we that's um, it's not a very nuanced picture to say that, and that's why I added a bunch of caveats. But um, it starts to sound like a getting a bit negative if you add those those caveats well, second is not bad yeah is it? it's, it's like not it's, bad it's like it's too nuanced you know <laughs> if you six out of ten i think is 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 too okay so it's a seven out of ten yeah that, that i'm not going to argue but i mean that feels a little generous but <laughs> seven out of ten i feel like it seems more fair to give these players seven out of ten for kind of both both effort and I mean certainly like effort they're all getting ten out of ten as far as I'm concerned. Like there's there's been none there's been no lack of you've never got the feeling that this team don't care or aren't fighting with every fibre of their being. I mean Marcus Rashford played half the season completely broken. Um you know, with disastrous consequences on his uh, on his numbers. Um but yeah, uh, I don't know. Somewhere between six and seven out of ten feels fair. Six point eight out of ten. A sixty-eight percent season. There you go. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the. Um, uh, let's talk about some of the players, shall we? Or do yeah. you want to go goals first or players first? Well, I tell you what. Let's do let's do players first and end. goals is the most fun, so we can end on that. But we do every year on this show. For many, many years, we've given out an award for each position on the pitch. I don't mean each position, but like defender, midfielder and attacker um, of the season. This season, we have to decide on who the goalkeeper of the season is, which is not actually particularly easy. (laughs) Neither of them are very good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I put together some of the data. I I got the games wrong, um, actually, when I was looking at it. So... Um, De Gea has played 36 games this season, Henderson 26, uh, which will give you an idea it's of a lot the work though, isn't it? it is, it is, yeah, he's he's played a surprising amount. I mean, I guess he played quite a few Europa ties before he they switched the cup goalkeeper. And the, that's not, that's and like the, four or six at the most. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Henderson's, Henderson's got a, a good run there. I mean, it's, it's enough games for us to form some... Uh, knee-jerk opinions about him. The interesting thing is, um, you know, and and uh, uh, sorry for the bunch of acronyms, but his post-shot expected goals against, which is to say a measure of the quality of the shot and whether he should have saved it versus the average keeper is 0.0. So he is dead on average. Now, um, what's Henderson. Dave? Dave, I mean, it shocked me, actually, because just in, like, I was like, well... You know, he obviously lost his place, but there were some circumstances there. I don't feel like he had a season that was quite as bad as some of the other seasons he's had. But then look at that. It's minus 8.4. Right. To, so to explain that, um, in those 36 games, that's all competitions, by the way, 
he is letting 8.4 goals more than the average goalkeeper would need to have Based on the quality... Not- and, and Based on the quality of the shot. Exactly. So this is post-shot XG, which is different yes. from the XG that we normally talk about, which is measured by kind of type of chance and positional data and all that yes. kind of stuff. This is, after the ball comes off the boot, how, on average, how likely is this to go in? For De Gea's to be so spectacularly low... I mean, that, that is him chucking it in the net every five minutes, oh, isn't it? I mean, it's it's dreadful numbers. It's dread, It's truly dreadful. He is letting in nearly a quarter of a goal a game he plays in, more than the average keeper. Yeah. Like, so that's not even benchmarking against the better keepers in the league. Um, I mean, it's it's um, if you just look at the league, he's made one error leading to a goal, which is just, you'd like, oh, okay, well, any keeper could make that. Allison's made three, and he's yeah. probably one of the better ones. But uh, he, had a rough, he, have to, he had a rough season for a big stretch of it this season, didn't he? He did, he did, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, like, uh, you hope if United try and, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't try and sell one of their keepers this um this summer if united try and sell one of de Gea or henderson you hope that whoever they try and sell de Gea to doesn't look at any numbers <laughs> the thing is what's really bad about it because you know de Gea's entire shtick is shtick is a very disrespectful way of describing one of the most extraordinary human athletes like the extra most extraordinary physiological feats any humans ever pulled off in terms of what de Gea was at his prime um but his whole thing is making brilliant saves that nobody else would make. And now he's like letting in goals nobody else would let in. And he still, he definitely hasn't got any better at any of the other stuff, has he? So, you know. Oh, no, no, for sure. And just one comparative metric. Um, Henderson claims twice as many crosses. Uh, as They're both quite low numbers, although they always are low numbers because it's all crosses of all types and you wouldn't expect the keepers to come for, for many of them, but uh, twice as many. One of the things that um, I was having a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine who's just played at a low level in goal for a really long time. Um, and, you know, he's a pretty good goalkeeper, but, he, you know, he plays like Sunday League or whatever. Um, but he was saying that one of the reasons that Henderson has to be good at all those things is because he's just not a very good shot stopper. Not a very good shot stopper. You know, he's he's fine, but he's not. there's nothing exceptional about his shot stopping. So he's got to kind of do the shouting and the coming out and the, the quick releases of the ball. I mean, I, I think yeah. if, we have, if we have a choice next season, say you give me the choice right now, which one of these people do you want in goal all of next season? I'm choosing Henderson, but really I would like secret option number three, please, you know. Yeah, Genuine Luigi Donnarumma. Exactly. He's out of contract. He is a Mino Raiola client. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. But he is on a free. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But then United's problem is how to ship out all his keepers. Because um, it looks like they're bringing Tom Heaton in as a third choice. Because yeah. um, Lee Grant's out of contract and so is Romero. And Shum Pereira will move on too, um, which would leave just Nathan Bishop, um, who's never played a game for, for United. So. Um, I, you know, that's why, like, Heaton could come in the third choice and he might never play a game for United. We'll see about that one, but it seems unsustainable. Henderson may get better. He may do. Yeah, I mean, definitely. This was his third, I'm going to say full season in pro football, but, you know, it's sort of a full season. Um, so he may well get better. And that's true. I, I just, I look at him and I'm not sure that the ceiling is, is elite. Um, his numbers certainly don't show that. But De Gea's just massive decline. 
Um, and so to it would make a lot of sense to ship out a player who earns that much money, if only for squad management purposes. You know, having uh, that guy on the bench all season, playing 20 games next season, just, just doesn't make any sense. But United will have to pay someone to take him. Yeah. Um, so which one of these two gets the... Who's Which one of these two has been a better goalkeeper for Man United this season? Well, I think it's Henderson. Yeah, I think so too. Well done. But but it's a, like it's like a six out of ten yeah. versus a five out of ten yeah. or something like that, or maybe even worse for De Gea. I mean, uh, I gave, gave him the five out of ten, like eyeballing it before I started looking at the numbers. So it's probably more like a four out of ten. Yeah. Oh. And and, and you know, I, I I just think that structurally, United can't take another season of De Gea because because of the problems of defence. It's like. Um, you know, we're playing this double pivot in front of them to protect these defenders, but really a lot of the problem is also happening behind them because he's just such a terrible fit for a Lindelof and Maguire central defensive pairing. You need, you know, Schmeichel, even go yeah. like Kasper Schmeichel, right? Not actual, like, you know, Shanta Schmeichel. Like, it, you don't need the actual Peter Schmeichel, you need that model of keeper. Uh, and av- <laughs> I mean, the actual Peter Schmeichel would... Uh... Would be going absolutely mad at some of the people in front of him. I mean, he would just straight up deck Victor Lindelof in the middle of a game, right? At some point this season, that would have happened. Who <laughs> uh, scored? Gave Dave three point five eight out of um, out of ten. That's the uh, <laughs> for the Europa League final. That is the algo freaking out about the number of penalties he let in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which which uh, a lot of data going around just uh, as a sidebar um, about that afterwards. I mean, we talked a bit about his uh, record saving penalties, 11 out of 64 um, sort of normal time penalties uh, he's saved. Uh, but he's let in, including penalty shootouts in all formats, the last 40 penalties he's faced. Every single one of them. I mean, if he just stood still, he'd have saved, um, you know, well, on average, 24% get saved. <laughs> <laughs> He just stood still. A couple of them would have hit his face, surely. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. But that is 40 in a row is bad. And, and you know, Solskjaer just straight up should have put Henderson on for the penalties. Like, he just should have done it. But anyway. Um, Shall we talk about some of the defenders then? Yeah, let's. I mean, I, I think it's not going to be a mystery which of the defenders is going to win this category um, for the award. I don't think there's any suspense there, given that one of them literally won players player of the year in a team that has Bruno Fernandes and Edison Cavani. And, you know, like Luke Shaw was, if not the, I mean, he was the biggest surprise of the season. He was the, the most pleasant surprise of the season. He was by far the most improved. He was, you know, a genuine joy to watch for, for swathes of the second two thirds of the season, basically. Um, so yeah, Luke Shaw is is easily the kind of winner of this category. But yeah, let's uh, let's talk about why Victor Lindelof is the worst player that's played for Man United since I don't know. Bebe. <laughs> I mean, talking a little bit about Shaw, um, uh, him and comparing him and Wan-Bissaka is kind of uh, it's really funny. We talked about it on uh, the pod three or four um, weeks ago, didn't we? When we were talking about their percentiles in each thing but uh, it's kind of it's borne out I mean 80 shot creating actions from Shaw this season so that's a pass um, uh, a foul on him or a cross anything that he's done that has then created a shot 80 which is really good number it's a really good number yeah um, and uh, and but he's like he's a bit more passive on and on all these sort of 
defensive metrics. And Wampersack is just the other way around. Yeah. Um, just insane numbers, 134 tackles. It's miles more than anyone else uh, in the United <laughs> squad. <laughs> A huge number. Um, doesn't like create it. anything at all. I like but it. it's, <laughs> so when we were growing up, right, slide tackling was one of the main ways that players got the ball off each other. Like the football video games now... You know, slide tackle is like one of the first buttons you want to learn when you play a football video game. But I guess now it's probably like not at all, unless you're Aaron Wambisaka, who has just never moved away from the slide tackle button being a really important way of getting the ball off the opponent. Because for most players, it's a really dangerous thing because if you mistime it, you you risk a red card. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, so he's one of the few. He's old school. Loves a tackle, does Aaron. And he's had a good season. I, I'm not sure he... I don't know how much he progressed on the offensive side of things that, you know, we talked about um, until we got bored of ourselves last season. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but, you know, six assists ac- across all competitions yeah, this season. Not bad. It's the same number as Luke Shaw. So it's not bad. He just, underneath that, um, he doesn't create nearly as much. Uh, but it's not a bad season. No, and... Uh, Victor Lindelof. I just want to say one, one, one last thing. You know, you said he's old school. But he really isn't. He's not like a throwback because you can't be that. There's no there's no way of doing that because old school defenders did not slide tackle like Aaron Wan-Bissaka slide tackles. He slide tackles like um, his legs are snooker cue and he's like, you know, really measuring exactly where he wants to hit the cue ball. In this case, the football. Um, you know, it's not like he's kind of chomping, like smashing through players to put in a slide tackle. He's no, he no, just has true. these this really kind of preternatural timing. And if he ever loses that, he's in real trouble. <laughs> um, so let's hope he doesn't. Um, and and yeah, I mean, six assists is fantastic. If you'd said Wan Bissaka's getting six assists this season, everyone would have been buzzing about that. And I I do think. Um, uh, we are at the point where teams are really going to regret just leaving him in space, which they definitely did for a period of this season. It was definitely like the defensive plan of the opposition was to worry about all these others. And if he's got the ball, don't worry too much about it, you know. So, uh, but yeah, Victor Lindelof, I mean, a, a, a two out of 10 season for Vic. I mean, I think I was writing my notes, so I said five, but that's probably being generous, so, isn't I mean, it? Because he's mega yeah. generous, I think. He, he, I mean, he just feels like a liability, as evidenced in, in the uh, Europa League final. I mean, Shaw has let it, the player go, but Lindelof did not pick it up, which is exactly what you do actually with zonal marking, right? Yeah. So the player's coming into Lindelof's zone, doesn't spot him until it's too late, and then, you know, he's, he's just so powder puff when it comes to anything physical. Isn't he? And and that's you know. And then it, like none of his numbers look any good. He ne- he doesn't make any tackles. He barely presses the ball, and um, he, his blocks and interceptions are fairly average too. So, what does he offer exactly? <laughs> As has been pointed out in several places, jockeying. He loves a jockey, Victor Lindelof. But I mean, the the physical thing is such a massive problem, and and I I really dislike talking about players as weak because it's such a loaded and weird word i don't know it just makes you feel i don't like to say that about another human being but it's time after time after time 
he just gets bullied off the ball. And even when he doesn't get bullied off the ball, like against, uh, was it Leicester? Where he didn't get bullied off the ball, but he kind of acted like he thought he did. So he couldn't get the, he didn't manage to clear the ball. Um, his passing, the one, the one thing he's really has been quite good at is quick passes to start transition. So he's, he's basically like long ball, but you would more accurately say long passes into space. He's been quite good at that, but his short range passing isn't all that. And there's nothing calming or comforting about his presence on the ball. Um, He's like Rio Ferdinand, if Rio Ferdinand wasn't good at any of the things he's good at, you know? Um, I, I, I really think it's an the number one priority, even above defensive midfielder, is to get us into a situation where Maguire and Lindelof aren't... Because even if you get a good defensive midfielder, there are still set pieces to face in every single game. And he's a liability. Sure, yeah. So um, from um, a symbol, similar number of passes... Well, Maguire's attempted a few more passes, but um, you know, from a similar number of, of attempted passes... They both have a similar pass completion rate, as you'd expect with central defenders, because mostly they're passing it to each other back and forth. Yeah. Um, and Maguire's got about 20% more progression, right? So, you know, Maguire is a significantly better progressive passer than Victor Lindelof. Um, and he's a better defender and he doesn't get bullied off the ball. And, you know, all the problems we talked about with Maguire, he's superior in every dimension to, to, to Lindelof, you know. So if, you, if we're going to swap one of them out this summer, it will be... For for you know, it will be Lindelof, and it should be Lindelof. And you know, I think he's proven himself over plenty of years now to to be pretty, as you say, weak, uh, mostly physically. Just get in the gym, lad. But <laughs> the know, thing is, help. if if you got punched by Victor Lindelof, he would absolutely do you in, right? He's be, he'll be ripped. Like they're all ripped. He just doesn't. Um, he just. It's something about body shape. I reckon there's got to be some technical stuff to it, you know, that he's just not putting his body in the right place to hold the weight of strikers off him and all that kind of stuff. And by the way, even though Eric Bailly tried to do an overhead clearance in his own box and missed in the Europa League final, he's still a better centre-back than Victor Lindelof. Like, yeah. I mean, um, sadly, I mean, now we can move on from bullying Victor Lindelof. Um <laughs> on, on this here podcast, they're talking about Eric Bailly. I mean, I do think, um, you know, it's all theoretical with Eric Bailly. He's put in hardly any good performances this season because he's played hardly any full games. Yeah, yeah. Hardly any. 21 total games, but, you know, not many of those are starts. And um, th- that is essentially his his problem. He just does not, he does not feature enough for United for him to be valuable. And no. they've given him a new four-year contract, which, if he doesn't get himself fit, he's going to look like a really bad piece of business. It's Jones-esque, isn't it? It really does look like it. I mean, because it gets to the point. So if he has a, you know, another bad injury season next season, Victor Bailly, <laughs> Eric Bailly, then it's going to be hard to sell him, basically. Well, it's hard to sell him now. Be, it's hard to sell him now because everyone will be discounting the 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 fee they would offer based on how much he's likely to perform. So, you know, he he's going to have to have a a Luke Shaw-esque um, return to fitness for him to to challenge. And it could well be if United buy another centre-back, that Bailly will be fourth choice. Maybe even fifth if you're comparing him, him with um, Axel Tunzebi. So it's 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 going to be a challenge for him going forward. And and it was a challenge this season. He's he's 
done nothing of note. We like him because he's Eric Bailly and he's fun. Um, and in theory, he's got a lot of tools. In theory. Yeah. And in practice, he's got a lot of tools because we've seen it. You know, we saw that the, the best part of, kind of most consistent part of United season before kind of Christmas time, it was by coming into the team made a huge difference to the the kind of overall flow of the team. Now, we are 45 minutes into this show and if we go through every player in this much detail, I don't, I don't think not. we should. Um, so let's, in fact, let's let's kind of abandon ship uh, now on sort of uh, players in this much detail and go straight for the, how many marks out of 10 are you giving Harry Maguire? I, I'm giving him seven out of 10 because I don't think it's been a bad season. I do. I know I hammered him for most of the season in every pod and you may be surprised if you think it's hashtag agenda, but um, I, I think lots of the fundamentals look good. He's He's had a good season. You know, he's got some weaknesses and they're not going to change. He He is unfortunately quite slow. Um, but the other parts of his game are pretty good. I honestly think that's at least two out of ten being added on for the games he's missed at the end of the season, which have been Maguire's best games of the season by miles. You know, Might like, be. like he, I mean, and and this is this is absolutely true. His injury was catastrophic for United, and and uh, given how terrible he's been quite a lot of the time, that is amazing. That shows you how bad things are. But he's clearly done a, a lot. He's clearly been doing a lot of work to keep to keep the team together. Seven out of ten seems just about right to me. Um, I, I think that's I think that's about spot on. And I think Lindelof is two out of ten. I think Bailly is four. I'm not. I'm I, okay. that, honestly, I don't mean that's not a joke. I think no, if no, you're giving no, him no, a, out of ten marks out of ten for the season two, because um, he's been much more of a problem than he's been a help. Uh, Luke Shaw, I yes. would give a nine out of ten. For the season, uh, I, I gave him eight. That's but, probably you know, better. Yeah. Let's give him eight out of ten for the season. That makes more sense actually, because there there's been a few key moments where you know players have got away from him. There's been you know goals conceded. I mean, very harsh given how much he's contributed going forward to question his defensive um, contributions. But also the first month or two of the season. I mean, we were absolutely desperate to get anyone in to replace him. Play Tellez, play Brandon Williams, like, you know. Yeah. So, but but no, I mean, the sure flank redemption has been the most glorious part of the season. It has. He's not a perfect player, but he's he's grown so much. Yeah. Uh, very quick mention of, you mentioned two of them there. Tellez, I mean, he's done hardly anything. 10 out of 10. Other than Got signed, 10 made, 10 turned 10. Luke Shaw into a worldie. 10 out of 10 season yeah. from Tellez. Uh, I mean, he's a perfectly good squad player. I don't know what they promised him and whether they'll be, uh, you know, he can't defend for top, can he? We've seen plenty of examples of that, but he loves putting a ball in and yeah. it's got a lovely shape to it. Yeah, yeah it has. Um, it looks good. Alex Tellez cross does look good. <laughs> Brandon Williams, so disappointing. He's hardly playing. I mean, yeah. 14 games, but a bunch of them are either meaningless games or substitute appearances. And I just... Uh, he's getting sold. He's, so, he's getting sold. He's this too summer. talented to... To, to be to not play, but he can't have another game, another season where um, Axel Tuanzebe plays fifty odd games and he almost never plays. What's the point? Axel so Tuanzebe. Yeah. So, sorry, Aaron Wan Bissaka. Oh right, okay. Plays fifty odd games and and um, and Williams hardly plays at all. And then Axel Tuanzebe, who I was um, thinking one step ahead there. I mean, he's twenty four now. He'll be 25 next season. That's too old for him to play 19 games. 
Um, he's got one year left on his contract. So I think a big decision needs to be, he, he either is going to be Harry Maguire's partner or given a shot at it or United will sell him. Yeah. I'm, it may well be the latter. I think Brandon's going to go this summer. I don't think Tonsabi will. That's my guess. There you go. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would like, I'd like to see a Tonsabi Maguire central defensive partnership given a substantial chance. I'd like to see it given the chance that Victor Lindelof's been given this season for some reason. But anyway. Yeah. Um, um, and to round it out for defenders, Dello on loan at AC Milan all season. Oh, I yeah. think United will sell him. Jones. Hasn't played since January 2020. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ted um had half season online at Derby. We'll see with him. He definitely is. And, and Will Fish, we saw right at the end of the season. Um, Billy the Fish. Also, Billy the Fish. Or, or, definitely is alone if he's going to progress. And then Fosu Mensah, I assume they're going to sell. He, they've sold. Um, he he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Hey, when did I miss this? January. January. Oh, they sold him in January. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a dumb conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the um, oh, I was going to say something, but I can't remember what it was. Talking of dumb conversations, um, who was the first player? Twan Zabe, and then who was the first player he talked? To? Oh, Dallo uh, Jones, Phil Jones. That's who I was going to talk about. Um, you know, Phil Jones's career is genuinely quite tragic. Like he's this figure of fun because his face looks weird, but it's incredibly sad what's happened to Phil Jones. Incredibly sad. His his entire career basically become a joke when he you know we were talking England and Man United captain totally unironically in in his right the early stages of his United career really really sad anyway um, mid- he has two years left on his contract <laughs> talking of really sad um, and talking of really sad Man United's midfield um, yes the, the worst area of the pitch I'd say this season I mean there, there are two brilliant players in Man United's midfield, if we're counting Fernandez as a midfielder. Pogba, yeah. Pogba, I think, had a 6 out of 10 season because of the injuries and um, kind of took him a while to get going. I mean, he had COVID. It was tough. It was really tough. I mean, he, yeah. he was absolutely crucial to almost all the periods of time when United looked good this season. So 6 out of 10 maybe is even a little harsh, but... It, it, when you take the season as a whole, is kind of overall yeah, contribution, yeah. especially, and this is you know, this is harsh for him, but especially given you can't look at him without thinking what he could be, because you see often enough what he could be. That when he's not that, it's a bit upsetting. Yes, it'd be nice for him to be fit for fifty games yeah. next season. Yeah. Um, but like that hasn't been the case very often with with Pogba and. And he may well get sold. He's got one year left on his contract and United are going to have to make a decision about whether he's going to sign a new contract. Because if he doesn't do it now, why not? Um, or whether they try and sell him. There's not much of a market. Um, so we'll see. But six out of ten seems fair enough. It, it's Fernandez, a huge, of course, is... It's a huge problem for United if they sell Pogba, though. You know, this is this is yeah. like... it Because as difficult a season has been, and like he was a little frustrating right at the back end of the season again, but the, there's a stretch in the middle of this season where... You just look at this going, this guy is the solution to United's midfield, you know. And and not just United's midfield, but uh, almost as much as Fernandez, he makes the team make sense. You know, like Fernandez couldn't quite do what he's done without a fit and f- like without a firing Pogba. Yeah. I, I mean, I think almost. Uh, I mean, I think, I think the challenge is um, who... Can, can or should play alongside him if he plays in central midfield. 
right? Given that I don't think uh, Oli is going to change this around to look like more of a 4-3-3 because that compromised Fernandez. So who plays alongside him? It can't be one of Fred or McTominay. All the worst aspects of Pogba come to the fore then. Not all his fault, but, you know, we know exactly what his faults are. And, and if he plays wide left as he has, um, great. He contributed much to the team, but then you have, you know, you're, 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 you're compromising Marcus Rashford, you know. So it feels like it's always a problem. You, there's this, this you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that you could get with Pogba, but it's very hard to to not lose something else as well. And that, that's always been the challenge. Or you buy a proper midfielder. Like you buy... Or you buy a proper midfielder. You know, that's yeah. like, oh, oh what, we can't play Pogba in a double pivot because he's only got the choice of Fred or McTominay. And McTominay, who I thought was absolutely excellent in the second half of the Europa League final. But Fred, yeah. Fred who's like awful. I mean, he's had some decent moments this season and, and a few good games. and But they are by so... Such a margin, the exception to the rule. Fred, Fred season four out of ten, five. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I wrote down six here, but that's probably probably being generous. Yeah, I mean, what, what Fred like the the question that's always asked with Fred is, what does he give? What he gives is he presses a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He presses more than anybody else. I mean, it's just a huge amount of um, pressing actions from Fred, and and the numbers that go along with that, blocks and interceptions and stuff like that, but. It's it's all let down by, you know, the fact that he offers nothing offensively. Uh, he's he's you know he his passing range is just dreadful. Just, he's he's Brazilian. He's Brazilian. They they come out of the womb knowing how to ping a Hollywood ball, except for Fred. I I know that's you know awful stereotype. Yeah. Well, it's a very good stereotype <laughs> of Brazilians, but he's the least technical Brazilian international we've seen. He he amazingly. After the absolute shower he produced for so much of this season, he got called up to the Brazil squad. <laughs> I was like, "What? What have you seen?" Um, but that's what that's what he provides. He he has got plenty of energy, and uh, he is one of the key triggers for the press, and that's why Oli likes him. But um, his his contribution in in key parts of the game is just dreadful. Yeah, this is good, isn't it? This is like every episode of the show. All at once. <laughs> you just didn't didn't need to listen to the other fifty episodes this season. Um, should we talk about? Well, we can discount like uh, we don't need to say much about Ahmad. Eight games, you know, looks like he's got some talent. Hopefully, he'll get a few more games next season. Matter eighteen apparently played eighteen games, although I think like three of those are starts. Yeah, played a bit of something. the early early in the season, and then I mean, he's going in the summer. I love him. Presumably, yeah, he's still he's still <laughs> so good on the ball. I know, like he's, it's... he he deserve, he can he can totally play for a top team or a decent team. Yeah, um, Pereira, per- no, Palestri, no. Garner, Hannibal, and Lingard all had. Um, all had loans. Lingard, well, I think he played two games before having a loan. So, you know, it's like whatever. No, no, no ratings or anything to say about any of those. That leaves just two left to talk about. Um, well, no, Matic. Do you want to say anything about Matic? No, never again, please. No, no, hopefully never again. He's still got two years on his contract. <laughs> that leaves Players Van Der Beek. Like him. Van Der Beek, um, who just such a weird, well, a weird purchase, but. But um, he was involved in a couple of those goals, the the sort of top 20 United goals this season. And absolutely lovely touches for some of them. You know, like there's, and, and we've seen him before, obviously, obviously with Ajax. There's such a good player in there. 
that we saw. I'm not choking up, by the way. I had a tickle in my throat. I was like, I'm broken. <laughs> don't imagine the bike should be so good. I just, I just don't, I just don't understand it. I mean, there's zero chance Ollie has any faith in him. There's, I don't know whether you saw it. There's a, there's a YouTube um, uh, compilation of of stuff the manager has said to the players, sort of off camera. Uh, and there's one of them where he absolutely roasts Van der Beek and then says, and that's why you don't play. I mean, this is like, dis- cruel. Like, it's disgusting. This stuff makes me, this is why I don't, like, I love Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because he's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And sometimes he says really funny stuff in press conferences and he likes Seinfeld and he cares about Man United so insanely passionately and he wants us to play lovely, exciting football and he does play the kids and he's incredible with the, with the, you know, supporting the players that play in his is eighteen, but his handling of Donny Van der Beek, unless Donny Van der Beek is like a a waster, which I can't imagine is very likely, moved over to this country in the middle of a pandemic. Spent uh, he's been in Manchester, which was locked down. Like Manchester was out of lockdown for two weeks or something before. You know, it's been absolutely horrendous circumstances, and the managers treated him like dirt, and um totally wasted an incredibly valuable asset and see loads of United fans going, oh, he's such a nothing player, he's rubbish, look, he doesn't take his chances when he's given them. I mean, this is Mourinho mindset, this is. This is like, oh, we're going to destroy your confidence and then when you don't turn up when we need you, we're going to absolutely hammer you. No, it's, it's you know, it's what Mourinho was did to our best players, Pogba, Rashford, Martial, did it to all of them and, it, it, yeah. you know, or I... I it's it's really annoying, especially, oh, especially since, as a as a whole, United season was so compromised by exhaustion. Like, yes. at the back end of the season was effectively defined by exhaustion, and oh well, turns out if you don't use, I mean, by the way, this kind of applies to Juan Mata too, like. Giving those players more of a role, having the kind of um, flexibility. And partly this is maybe mitigated by the fact that Solskjaer had no time with these players on the training ground all season, maybe. That's a little mitigation. And he couldn't play the kind of very simple, direct attacking, counter-attacking football that he wanted to play with a Mata or a van der Beek in the side. But no, a really annoying. And so van der Beek's marks out of 10 for the season is like four or five. But... Uh, it, it's like who knows what it could yeah, have been. Yeah, it's got this modifier on it that's like Solskjaer yeah. took three points off it. Just fourteen hundred and sixty-eight minutes, or that equates to sixteen point three full nineties. I mean, he's he he is that in all competitions? In, all competitions. Wow, he's yeah. appeared in thirty-six games, although only fifteen starts, and of course, so many of those substitute appearances. Eighty-seven uh, I mean, minutes. Yeah, exactly. What's he supposed to do? You know. Um, for those five minutes, it's just to wind down some of the clock. Uh, 15 starts for a £40 million player. It's pretty shocking. Um, and so, yes, um, you know, very poor numbers for him. But, I, you know, I do agree with your assessment of, of Ollie. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes um, for that to be the case. It seems totally weird. He's too good a player to, to um, for this to happen. Anyway, Fernandez. Um, I mean, it's phenomenal. It, it, like he's bonkers, right? He's bonkers when you look at him, um, but he's he's bonkers digging into the stats. So he's created 229 shot creating actions. That's any involvement <laughs> where he does something that leads to a shot across all comes. It's insane. That doesn't it's count his numbers. shots. 
That's just no. They, that counts his shots. Oh, okay, yeah. right. No, no, that doesn't count. No, no. his shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't count his shots. Um, yeah, twenty-eight goals, fourteen of them penalties, but you know he scores them all mostly. Um, eighteen assists, which is a great number as well. One hundred and sixty-five of his own shots, twenty-nine shot creating actions, and thirty-six goal creating actions. That's direct involvement in a goal, which obviously you know is not not all of his doing. Someone else has to put it in the onion bag. Um, but it's you know it's huge numbers, fantastic. Then you dig into it, right? So his his pass completion rate's about seventy four and a bit percent, right? <laughs> Which you're like, wow, this is pretty low. Short and medium um, is up in the high eighties. He's basically completing only fifty percent of his long passes. Well, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, he's just. He takes on the most difficult pass every time as the default every single time, I, uh, uh, and never plays the simple pass. Of all the wonderful things about Bruno Fernandez, watching Bruno Fernandez play every week, twice a week, literally for ninety minutes twice a week all season for sixty-one games, um, when he plays a through ball. He plays it so far in front of the attacker. I've never seen a player who plays the ball into space as far in front of the attacker as he does. Not in a bad way. Not. I'm not talking about his wild swings and misses of, of crazy attempts at spectacular passes. I'm talking about when he gets it right, he... he he has a real understanding of the space in front of him and and the capacity and speed of the players around him. And he, he forces the attackers to be as attacking as they can possibly be by the by the place yeah. he puts the ball and it's it's a joy to watch i mean um he is also absolutely totally and utterly maddening i mean you know when he's bad he's been it can be really bad yeah yeah and and I I know I kind of briefly alluded to this on the show last time, but I do think it's fascinating that the players voted Luke Shaw player of the season and not Bruno, given how many got, given how many assists he's provided for the very players who voted against him. (laughs) You know, and and I do wonder if that's them being like, I mean, I'm just going to repeat what I said last week, so I won't bother. But, you know, um, I... I don't know if I can give him a 9 out of 10 for the season, even though it's mad not to because of the goals and the assists. The goals and the assists are a full, unquestionable 9 out of 10. But the nuance of the performances, the stretch of the the final third of the season where he was just awful for weeks and he kind of got it back right at the kind of death of the season when it started to get get real again. Um, but yeah... I, I I mean that 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 is Ollie. That's on that's on Ollie. He's played fifty eight oh, yeah. of you know sixty one games this season. That's bonkers. There's no way he should do that. No way. It's insane. And and that is ca- a compressed season as well. That includes Carabao nonsense, Europa nonsense, like oh. just just shouldn't happen. No. And it's it's a misuse of the player. And he's gonna go and play. I mean, he's played internationals in that time too. Yeah. Played two in 2021. And I think he played a couple at the back end of the autumn, didn't he? You know, so, and then he's going to play the Euros and he's basically going to have a 70 game season. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, the the chances for injury and burnout, you, you'd think are quite high, although, you know, 
I guess Leo Messi and Ronaldo have done this for the last 10 years and, and they never get injured. Uh, and, you know, they're, and they're not. Uh, Dr. Fuentes, so the reports say, visited those training grounds fairly often. I'm just saying. But some people are saying that. Uh, they're, they're also, they had a different psychological demand on them and, and teams that just kept the ball. For, I mean, not, maybe not so much Cristiano, but like. But you know, seventy percent of Real Madrid's games were easy, right? In in you know, well, let's let's say fifty percent of their games were easy, um, and United get in, in La Farmer's league. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know the the the, the gap between oh, okay the top three and the rest of the league, not this season, but you know normally. Um, yeah. So yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, eight and, a, eight, and a half, eight and a half out of ten. Bruno gets obviously gets the midfielder of the year award. Obviously, Luke Shaw, Dean Henderson. Congratulations to Dean Henderson, Luke Shaw, and Bruno Fernandez so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a different framing in some of those. Yeah, um, forwards. Uh, I mean, Dan James is nominally a forward. He's the least technically Dan, gifted. Dan James forward. is nominally a footballer. <laughs> yeah. I just the amount of times it bounces off his shin, it just. I mean, he's scored five goals this season. I was like, he did. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when, no, he he yeah. when he got back into the team, he he had a little a good little flurry. And that's Sasha likes him, and he works really hard, and he seems like a lovely lad. And he's a trigger for the press, and that's why Sasha likes him. I'm sorry um, for everything. I feel awful slagging off Dan James because he seems like an absolutely lovely lad. But I don't think he's very good at football. He, he's not very good. Uh, another player who had a dog poor season was Anthony Martial, who's oh, obviously got a much higher technical ceiling than than Luke Shaw. It's been blighted by injury at the back end of it. You know, quite a significant one. He'll miss the Euros. He'd have probably missed them anyway. Um, <laughs> like he missed it. Like he missed all his shots this season. Yeah, and then just. Like so, just so bad. I don't know what happened to to Martial. So it's good like last season. Preseason, he, he was pretty. He's got twenty three goals last season. He's got seven this, um, seven. and but he's got he's got fewer performances than that. Where you're like, ah, oh, he was on it this week. I mean, he he started to play quite well in terms of linking up play um, before he got injured. He, he you know he he started the season in really 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 terrible form, and he was. I do think he was picking up a little bit before he got injured. I mean, obviously, you have to write off anything I say about Martial. Dan James and Martial is classic Gordon Ramsay shouting at one of them and putting your arm around the other one. You know, it's just full unfair. The the my relative treatment of Dan James and Martial, the bias is strong. Although I, I wish Dan James nothing but personal happiness and success. Genuinely, that sounded sarcastic, but it wasn't at all. Um, <laughs> uh, Martial's had an absolute. Why are you stink. stabbing his voodoo doll in the eye there? No, Paul? Why, why are you? Doing I love that? the kid. He seems lovely. Um, Martial has had a terrible season. Let's let's not talk about what's to come because this podcast is too long already, and we just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've no idea with Martial. I mean, you know, if it was any other club, they'd have probably try and shift it, ship him on. But he's Joel Glazer's favourite son. Is he? Uh, apparently. Apparently. Well, apparently, I, I think yeah. I think um, Sasha loves him as well. You know. It's so, I mean, you know, there's, there's something there if he would stay fit, but there wasn't anything there this season. But that's, that's um, yeah, the, we, the fitness was just a bonus, wasn't it, for the anti-Martial hater bingo, you know. It, it's been interesting because United have scored a decent amount of goals this season, but I don't think any of United's forwards, you'd say uh, there's an unequivocal 
sort of thumbs up perfect season. I mean, for different reasons, you know, Edison Cavani um, has had a great second half of the season and he didn't have a good first half of the season. That's because he didn't arrive until October and then he wasn't fit. Um, but um, really great second half of the season. And, and that, you know, that's that offers a lot of promise. I mean, he is... He is a prom- what, promising striker, Edinson Cavani. <laughs> yeah, no, for next season. I mean, in the yeah. general terms, yeah, yeah. a lot of promise for United. And um, and you just kind of wish he was five years younger, don't you? Um, so, you know, it's a seven out of ten sort of season from Cavani, but it's uh, it's been nine out of ten for the last couple of months or so. Yeah, you wish he was uh, five years younger, except when you suddenly realise there's zero chance he'd beat United if he was five years. Although Woodward was desperate to sign him in 2015 era. Um, so, anyway. I'm, I'm sure he was desperate to sign everyone in the 2015 <laughs> no, era. No, Cavani in particular. He's he's a long-time Woodward dreamy project. Um, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, seven out of ten is exactly right overall for the season because he's been so good since he's kind of, and he's got such a clear leadership role and, you know, I think he's benefited Mason Greenwood tremendously. I don't think it's a coincidence that their good form has come in tandem. I mean, let's talk about Marcus Rashford off the pitch, player of the season by a mile. I mean, this is, this has been the year of Marcus Rashford ending with him talking to Barack Obama this week, you know, Barack Obama and the leader of the free world having a chat. Um, (laughs) This, this is, I mean, the kid is a, uh, here he's 23 years old you know he, he talked about being 23 on that interview and Obama talked about him being 23 23 he's a child like 23 is so young and because he's been around a long time we don't think about it but um true uh, can, true he's uh it yeah no no I mean I think I think that's right like, like let's talk about some of his numbers 20 million pounds raised millions of uh, millions of uh, food packages delivered. Um, he's getting kids reading books. Uh, he's twice made a government do a U-turn. Um, no, Edison Cavani hasn't made any governments do a U-turn this season, as far as I'm aware. Anthony Martial definitely hasn't made any governments do a U-turn. And it's probably an unreasonable expectation. How many goals is that worth? Like, in terms of player of the season? It's got to be at least 10 goals, right? <laughs> five per well, U-turn. I mean, uh, uh, is player of the season only on sporting merit? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and that's all sort of context for saying then on the pitch, it's been a bit of a mixed bag, hasn't it? I mean, he, he contributed to some of those. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the goals, but some of United's best goals. You think, wow, you know, he's he's Unreal, a huge man. talent. Yeah. And some of the frustrating things have been when he misses what seem like presentable chances for for, you know, an average forward. And, um, you know, gef- definitely, you know, especially given the context of some of the absolute bangers he scores um, and his contribution to the team in an attacking sense beyond just goals, you know. So there's, yeah, th- there's everything there for a really top-class player and it hasn't really been a really top-class season. He's still got 21 goals and 13 assists, which is pretty good for a wide player. Um, he's spent most of the season wide, and um, but we know there's more to come. And he's, you know, he said it himself after the the Villarreal game. Game he's had, you know, shoulder and foot injuries, and I don't think he was trying to make a big a big deal out of that. But he's played for a lot of the season with injuries that in an other other season he might have had more of a rest. So why why has the manager done this to him? 
Because you ask Marcus Rashford to run through a brick wall for you, and he's on your side, he's doing it, right? This is Marcus Rashford is a die for the cause player. Um, we've seen, I, I don't know. I, I now I am choking up. By the way, this is I legitimately am. But like uh, the racial abuse this season, we can't. It's a weird thing to talk about in the season review, but it's been such a dominant part of the story of the season in a lot of ways. And and yeah. you know, he talked about the racial abuse he received after the. Europa League game and you think like what kind of um world are we living in where people treat each other like right. that you know it's uh it's just I mean we know this is the world like I'm not you know I'm not a doe-eyed optimist in real life you know I just play one on a podcast um <laughs> um but the 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 awful truth that he's carrying that and and you know how much Man United means to him. Like, you know, um when when United wrote that the United um editorial team wrote an article in support of him after that, and you know, he he just said, You don't know how much this means to me. And you imagine how much that means to a a, a person who grew up, you know, idolizing Man United and 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 now he's like, you know, he's the team's hero in lots of ways. Certainly off the pitch, yeah. he, he represents yeah. the team in an unbelievable way. And and I, I do think it's a bit of a failure of duty of care on the part of uh, the, the staff as a whole, not just Solskjaer, but the staff as a whole, that he isn't being physically better looked after. Now, we don't, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it makes me a little bit uncomfortable that it's, it's evident that he's playing through substantial amounts of pain. And I don't know why. Yes. Because there are well, options. It, the beginning of the season, if Cavani had been there, like he could have been um, from June onwards, he would have played fewer games at the beginning of the season, maybe. Um, and towards the end of the season, if if um, if uh, Martial had been fit or Oli trusted Dan James more, he'd have played less, you know. And you're absolutely right. He's been managed poorly, much like Bruno. And, and you know, fingers crossed. I mean, Rashford's had injuries this season Bruno I don't think has um Maguire the season before played through a lot of the season with injections as well you know so it's a pattern um and uh, you know it, if if one of them gets a really serious injury and United's season is completely curtailed Ollie will be like oh you know woe is us really bad luck um and we won't be able to make a direct causal link when Bruno does his ACL mm. between that and playing 60 games. Um, but we can probably think it was a contributing factor, you know, and I think that's the real worry. Um, and especially with the explosive players like Marcus Rashford, you know, the muscle injuries are very common. And the more you play, the more you're in the red zone. Red zone. And he must have played a lot of this season in the red zone. Well, he, must have. he did, didn't he? I mean, he, he, he was broken. He was actually injured. And, you know, the, the Cavani thing is a factor for sure. Uh, but at the back end of the season, he's playing Rashford on the right to squeeze him into the starting eleven when and leaving Greenwood out. You know, this is like, this is these... Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense when Greenwood was actually in good form. So we talk about Greenwood, yeah. interesting campaign. You know, he, he didn't progress from last season, but last season was so sort of explosive and surprising, not in terms of his talent, um, but um, his his sort of impact at such a young age. And and that hasn't been the case for most of this season. But, you know, towards the back end, his form really took a big tick up and he was scoring goals again. 
promises a lot. I don't know. Is he going to get into the Euro squad? He was in the the, the larger squad, wasn't he? I don't uh, really care. I mean, if he gets a summer off, yeah, I, perfect. Yeah. I, it, you know, you said he didn't progress, and I know exactly what you mean, and you're sort of right, except that this was an absolutely cru- crucial season for his progress, and the thing that he did was he had his first adversity and he conquered it. And that's... Yeah. that's You've got to do that on the way as a footballer. All the ones that make it to the top have, you know, the ones that... You remember, like, we uh, you know, talk about it all the time, that Cristiano Ronaldo's first game against Bolton Wanderers, you know, it was almost a complete package. He looked completely ready for the big time, and then basically had two seasons of being really like flaky and loads of United fans wanted him sold and, you know, it was all that kind of stuff. And then he exploded because you, you need those periods of, of adjustment and, and you know, he's getting doubled or tripled up on every time he's got the ball because he's perceived as such a threat by uh, opposition uh And and he is. They, they're they right to perceive, <laughs> yeah, exactly. perceive him as that. Threat, yeah. I mean, and uh, you know, I think he—he it's all set up for him having an outstanding season next season. It'll be interesting, um, depending on the kind of business United do, where he plays. You know, is he going to play second fiddle to Cavani, or they basically share the workload uh, up front? Um, Will he play off the right? That might not happen if United sign Jaden Sancho. So you know, there's all ifs and buts. Um, um, But. We'll see whether he can break through um, in that scenario, which you imagine he would, because his technical ceiling is is better than anyone's. Yeah, um, he's you know he he's got everything. Some some of the balls he's played in for other, you know, Cavani's diving header against Spurs, oh. I think it was a first time ball for Mason, absolutely brilliant. His ability to beat players, score with either foot. Um, he's yeah. Uh, he's going to be an outstanding player. And, you know, I think you're right to say this will be one of those seasons which was, you know, important in his development. Still, it's a sort of six out of ten season, isn't it? But, you know, points at seven. Because he's young. He's so young that the the kind of... And, and the second half of the season's been so good that I'm going I'm going seven because it, it's been... The good stuff has been better than the bad stuff was bad, if you know what I mean. Um all right, um, and we saw four games from Anthony Langan. No, right, not much to Good say goal. there. Look, I mean, I like him. Good yeah. goal. Good goal. And he's got a lot about him. Uh, Sholo Shortire, we saw about the same. We'll see. He'll probably get a loan next season, I imagine. Um, and um, and Tahith Chong had two loans. Um, duh, they gave him a new contract. So I'm not sure about that one. Nope. I'm not sure about that one. We'll see. Yeah, uh, we will, but not. On the pitch because he's never going to play for Monday night again. Um, Probably, <laughs> I don't think. Um, so, I actually think this is the hardest one to pick because uh, that I mean maybe the goalkeeper, but that's hard because no one like like United's Player of the Year for almost every season until Solskjaer took over. There was no one who actually deserved it, so it went to the least non-deserving um, goalkeeper, um, defender, and midfielder is easy to pick. Um, I I think this is really difficult. I think it's really difficult between Cavani and Rashford because Rashford's overall contribution he scored more literally scored more goals than Edinson Cavani. Um only just and and Cavani the the thing is that it feels like Cavani turned the season around in some way sort of took the season bit by the scruff of the neck and he scored the goal spoiler warning scored the goal of the season i mean right it, it, let's not let's not mess about here kids There's, is there a lot of suspense about what the goal of the season is I, the whole segment i had planned next which was <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i suspect it it is cavani and that's not 
recency bias. I think it's just he's he's probably been more important um, to the team. Um, but Rashford think, dug us know, out of trouble time after time after time for two thirds of the season, though. So it not being recency bias, it's like, isn't it? Are we sure it's not recency bias? Yeah, no. Look, thirty four goals and assists, um, goal contributions. Yeah, uh, is is a good number for Marcus Rashford. That's a good number for any forward. So it's really close, right between the two of them. We can agree on this. Can we please have the decider be who made more government U-turns happen? <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't the Uruguay government put out a statement in support of Edson Yeah, Cavani? that's true, actually. He did get some government. But that's, no, that's worse, right? That's what he, that makes him a Fed. Like he's, that, that, that means he's on the side of the system. Almost caused an international incident there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to split them because there's, there's a, a lot of caveats with both of them. I mean, look, if Edison had, had been signed in June, I know I've repeated this yeah. like six times this podcast, um, and he'd been fit. Um, well, if Marcus had been he'd actually had a pre, if Marcus had, had a preseason, yeah, if Marcus had been given three months off last summer, you know, yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe it's Cavani. Toss coin. Maybe it's Cavani. I don't want it to be because I think Marcus Rashford this season has officially become my favourite Man United player ever. Talk about recency bias, but I I, I think it's true. Um, so you know, there's a there's a there's a it's difficult. I mean, Rashford's had some absolute stinkers, and Cavani really hasn't had too many stinkers. To be fair, um, no. No, they, right, they we'll can be games where he barely touches the ball. Cavani's Cavani's the the new shiny toy. Marcus <laughs> Rashford is actually Man United's player of the season, and everything else is you know. Marcus Rashford did better stuff this season than any Man United player did. But yeah, all right, all right. So that's an hour and uh, twenty minutes on. Uh, all the players so, this season sure, in the United season. Coach of the season. <laughs> sure or Fernandez then? Well, I think it's Fernandez okay. because um for, for this reason, if Lucio was taken out of the team and Alex Tellers had played all season, United um would probably have, have scored a few fewer and uh conceded a few more. Um yeah, a few goals either way. Uh you cannot take twenty eight goals and eighteen assists out of the team um and finish anyway. I mean, United would have finished outside of the top four. So, um, player of the season, Bruno Fernandes. Runner-up, Luke Shaw. Managers slash podcasters, player of the season, Marcus Rashford. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and managers, player of the season, Scott McTominay, obviously. That's yeah, yeah. Lifetime um, emeritus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, goal of the season. Oh, can we just talk? I mean, because, you know, you've already already given it away. No, not necessarily. Uh, not necessarily. Spoiler, spoiler. Genuinely not necessarily. So let's talk. Um, I mean, United did a top 20 uh, and didn't include Cavani's goal against Fulham. It hadn't happened it yet. Just, it hadn't happened yet. Uh, timing, lads, timing. Um, but a few of them, I picked out a few that um, I really enjoyed. I mean, no particular order. Uh, there's the goal that um, United scored against uh, Newcastle at St James's Park. That goal, uh, that goal is an all-timer. 
every single moment from the moment that Pogba puts in the tackle that starts the counter-attack just outside the end of, edge of his box and somehow doesn't give away a free kick leading to disastrous consequences yep. well done Paul um, like from that moment every single Man United player that touches the ball achieves absolute perfect yeah, they, they achieve yeah. a sort of state of Manchester United transcendentness where they suddenly morph <laughs> into you know Giggs Skulls Keane like it's it's Perfect. The little flick from Van der Beek. It- well, yeah, around the corner pass. A beautiful, beautiful pass from uh, Van der Beek. Um, and then, uh, of course, it's shown a lot. If you see just, you know, short clips, just the no-look pass from Rashford and then the finish from Bruno. Yeah. Um, which is really hard to describe. What, what do you call it? Is it a chip? Is it a, a place shot into the top corner from a ridiculous angle? Um, but, of course, yeah, it's the full, the full move. Uh, which is so good. It's a Rocket League goal, that is. People that play Rocket League will know what it's like to score into that far corner from that angle where you, you just there's a, just a line where nobody, there's nothing between you and that space. There's no, no intervention by the opposition that can possibly help at that point. It, it, perfect. So, yeah, m- magnificent goal. Um, and then uh, Rashford's turn and strike against Paris Saint-Germain. Just because he makes he makes Kimpembe who's in the France squad and just look ridiculous. Really good, really good MUTV commentary where they they are talking about how he'd scored the the winner there just as he as he scores that goal and then oh he loves it here. Also he is a prince among men and it is called the Parc de Prince, so it's very appropriate. <laughs> yes. Um, and then um, there's his goal against Brighton. You discount this one from the goal of the season reckoning because it takes a, a big uh, deflection. It's a lovely it goal, though, fitted. isn't it? It's a lovely goal. I mean, it turns how many defenders? Two or three defenders, right, then left, um, and then it's high into the net, although with a bit of a deflection. Um, but he makes but uh, he makes the space for himself before he even gets into the box by skinning a Brighton player, right? Um, and then... And then just kind of keeps the ball as multiple of them try and come for him. The amount of players that Rashford has skinned this season uh, and made look silly is quite high. Most nutmegs in in world football this season. By the way, that should have been <laughs> that should have been a decider between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Who's got the most megs? Yeah. Did, did, did he call them though? It doesn't count. This you're cool. obsessed with this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's playground rules. Everyone knows right. this. Yeah. Um. Bruno's, I, I've written here, Bruno's half volley. Uh, I don't know. Again, probably doing it an injustice. Um, the one he smashes from Luke Shaw. It's not a corner, is it? It's Luke Shaw's cross. Yeah. Um, and chips to the edge of the area and Bruno absolutely smashes it into the top of the net against Istanbul when we actually managed to beat a really shitty side. Good goal. Good goal. Um, not as good uh, as... Pogba's curler versus West Ham, where he hits it first time. So Bruno gets the assist. It's one of those ones where it's, you know, it's 0.2 of an assist, really. It's a simple side, you know, pass across and, and Pogba hits it first time with the instep and curls it into the the bottom corner. I kind of agree with you about the assist, but I, when I was watching it today, I was struck by the precision of the weight of the passing. Like, it could not... This is a bit like the thing that I was saying about the way he hits the ball into space for players in front of them. Other players would have knocked it over to Pogba, but it wouldn't quite have had the same absolutely perfect spin and momentum that Pogba could come onto it first time in that way. So there was there was a bit of skill in the simple sideways pass from Bruno. It had an elegance to it. Yes, he used the space. He didn't play it to the man. Yeah. Um, basically saying... Yeah, he goes. <laughs> yes, much into the top corner, which he he did. Uh, 
Uh, similar, similar sort of goal. Lovely, lovely left-footed curler from Cavani yeah. against Everton in the League Cup. So yeah. much power. There's so much power on the shot. Like, just he, he really, oh, he really meant it, didn't he? <laughs> so angry with the ball. Uh, but, um, but in terms of... That, lo- that's the sort of start of his renaissance, wasn't yeah. it? In terms of long ranges, those two are good. The next one, the next one takes the biscuit just because he cut inside, beat two players and then smashed it in from the outside of the box. Pogba. Pogba's curler against uh, Fulham at Craven Cottage. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, he controls it absolutely perfectly. It's like, yeah. it's a bit of a, you know, messy start to this. It's, you know, it's a high ball and he just takes it down and then turns inside, beats two players and, and curls it in with his left foot. Now that's an assist. Seen very often. That's an assist that doesn't deserve to be an assist <laughs> right there. <laughs> Shanking one up into the air. <laughs> yeah. uh, brilliant. That was a fantastic goal. Um, Oh, next one having the list is um is Bruno's <gasps> good goosebumps got the good goosebumps. Keller against Everton, of course. That's you know that, well that doesn't mean anything. It's the wrong corner. It's Beckham-esque, isn't it? It's the way he's whipped it across the keeper into the top corner. Uh, God, he's got so many beautiful goals this season, Bruno. It's not just the number; it's the the very high quality of them as well. Yeah, we haven't even got the one against West Brom, have we? Where? Oh no, you, we have. Oh, sorry, spoiler warning: that is to come. Um, this this one, um, you know, we talked a lot about at the time about how it kept being compared with the Cantona Sunderland goal, and that was really weird. And it was just because of where he hit it from and the fact that he stood stood still afterwards, which I do think was a Cantona tribute in a little way in that game, um, but. There is a little touch of chip to the whip. It's a it's a whip chip. You know, there's there's a sort of hybrid of a whip and a chip. Like it's it's not a pure Beckham absolute. Like oh, if the, if this keeps going, it's going to come back the other way and go into the other goal still at pace. Um, it, there's, he just takes he does take a little bit of the pace off the ball in a way that Beckham doesn't with a, that slight kind of un, like yeah. underneath the ball quality. N- nice clip of the whip chip. Yeah. Said the cat in the hat <laughs> um, about Bruno. Um, then there's the, the goal you referenced earlier. Um, nice Greenwood finish, which is, you know, it's a much better finish than you kind of look simple, doesn't it? Uh, but it's the 60 yard pass, uh, which makes it just, uh, it, I mean, it doesn't even have the room really to hit the pass with that power and it just evades the defender, kind of makes the defender look a bit silly because he goes to head it and completely misses it. There, um, there are people who watch loads of football and back their own opinions who don't think Marcus Rashford is incredibly good. <laughs> yes, there are people like that. Um, it's a beautiful goal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are probably others of equal... I mean, I didn't even in this list, I didn't even put the Cavani diving header. I love a diving, diving yeah. header as well. Greenwood first-time pass. Um, then there's the one you just mentioned, Bruno's... It's it's like only marks off for this one because he catches it a bit on the on the top of the foot. Yeah, a little, bit. A little bit. Of it's calf. a bit shinny. There's a bit calf it's involved. Bit... Yeah, 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 yeah. But United's greatest yeah, I mean... ever goal was a shinner, so you know it's fine. This is this is true. Um, but yeah, I mean it's ridiculous to be able to get over the ball and and score um, score the volley like that. Yeah. Um, so you know some outstanding goals. But the winner is. I mean it is, of isn't course. it? And the long tradition of NQAT giving offside goals goal of the season, <laughs> dating all the way back to McTarian's scorpion kick. He touched it. It's not offside. He touched it. I mean, he doesn't think he touched it. And he's Bruno Fernandez. 
I mean, to bring back the cricket reference, there's loads of players who don't think they touched it when they actually fell Yeah, that's true. That's true. They, they made the long trudge off to the pavilion, shaking their heads. You know. And then Justin Langer says, why didn't you review it? And Aaron Finch never plays test cricket again. Um, yeah. That's it. Came off his laces. Something like that. I mean, definitely didn't Sorry. come off his laces, did it? It was it was the bottom of his foot that he was pointing at it. So maybe it brushed a stud. But anyway, who cares? Because the first game with supporters in it all season long, the first game since the shutdown, because United never played in front of supporters during the period where there were just a couple of thousand in the ground um, at various points around Christmas time. Good government activities there. Um, the the quality of that finish. I mean, some of these goals, oh. some of these goals are absolute. I genuinely got goosebumps talking about them. So, like you know, months after the fact, they're so good. Some of these goals, but but they're goals you've seen before. This is a goal you've barely ever seen from that right. distance with uh, that power, that precision. You know, when Rooney scored from his own half, or even when Beckham scored from his own half, there's an element of kind of like, it looks a bit lucky, even though it's unbelievably brilliant as well. This one wasn't quite from his own half, but nothing about it looked lucky. It looked like, yeah, I'm Edinson Cavani. This is the ball. There's the keeper. There's the goal. Thank you very much. Yes, and one of Bruno's 18 assists this season was that. (laughs) He didn't even touch it. Yeah, uh, he robbed. Uh, who was David involved? De Gea? No, David, David De Gea. You robbed David De Gea of an assist. Well, except it. <laughs> it said to have been offside. Yeah. But then we <laughs> anyway. would all, we would all have been robbed of uh, maybe the single best moment of the season. I mean, there, there's been some great moments this season. The nine nil was amazing. The win over Liverpool in the FA Cup was amazing. Um, it, the fact that beat City twice, beat City twice, uh, turned, literally scored a goal after full time against Brighton to win the game three two, um, changing the rules of football. <laughs> yeah, um, so met comeback after comeback after comeback after comeback, penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty, just a, a fantastic roller coaster of a weird, weird, weird season. But of all the moments, that goal in front of those fans by that player, just perfect. Yes, no, just perfect. United had a lot of bad moments at Old Trafford this season, which fans didn't see, including six defeats. Uh, it's a very average home record. Um, but um, <laughs> when they were back, they came back for that, which yeah. was perfect. Lovely. Um, all right, uh, that'll do, right? That's the season. I guess we should we should at least touch on. Ah, should we not bother? There'll be transfers this summer. Don't listen. If you want my professional opinion, ladies and gentlemen, uh, don't do it to yourselves. <laughs> just <laughs> avoid it all. Yeah, just just don't do it to yourselves. Just enjoy the. For, this is one of those times that you know they say like enjoy the journey, not the destination. With transfer rooms, it's the opposite. Just Ignore the journey altogether until the destination arrives. I promise you, you will have a nicer, more peaceful, happier summer if you don't follow Man United transfer rumours and work out whether they're coming from someone who's reliable or not. Yeah, I wouldn't follow any of the rumours. I mean, we go into this summer knowing exactly 
what we need to improve the squad. Uh, Ollie said last week he wants two or three in. I'd say it should be three. Um, and if they are not boring, broken record alert, a central defender, a defensive midfielder and a right-sided attacker, it's absolutely negligent on behalf of the club. Yeah. So, there you go. All right. Thanks, everyone. I mean, listen, uh, we're going to do Patreon stuff in a minute. So, uh, Patreon backers, sorry for saying goodbye before we say goodbye. We'll give you guys, no doubt, another one of these at the end of the show. But um, everyone that's listened uh, all year, and especially the people who have taken the time to say that this show actually means something to them, as people probably have been able to intuit, slash I've probably said it about seven times. It's been a bit of a tricky season to kind of keep going. And uh, I've definitely had the problem at the end of the season of just not feeling I mean Ed as I always say like I love talking to you about football but um kind of dedicating every Sunday night to doing this has been a bit of a slog at various points this season but um well if you'd only stop talking so much we'd get through it much quicker (laughs) whenever um whenever people uh whenever I get like that it's funny how it happens there was one there was one moment where I was like how am I going to tell him? How am I going to tell him I can't do this anymore? And then we got an incredibly nice message uh, on Instagram that that kind of was like, okay, well, that's it. Just got to keep doing it forever. So um, thanks so much. And even in the last week, we've had loads of people reaching out to say uh, that they appreciate the show. And, and we we just couldn't appreciate that more. No, no, it's, it's, it's really nice to hear that people like it. Um, I think we may have ended our experiment with um, with selling our soul to the advertising yeah. devil. <laughs> so, um, so for Patreon backers coming next, uh, you are literally keeping the show alive. Um, I mean, it's as much, and in fact, more. I'd say um, you know your your uh, your uh, monetary expression of love for the show that matters than the actual cash itself, which. Um, no, speak, yes, speak for yourself, for, buddy. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, normally while we record, I have a can of beer, yeah. so it's paying for the the beer <laughs> intake uh, um, and uh, my uh, liver transplant when it's required in the year's time. Um, but no, it's um, it's it's really important that um, we hear good stuff from you. It keeps us going. Yeah. In what what was an incredibly long season, um, with a lot of it us saying the same stuff over and over again That's the and thing. trying to find ways to say something new which is which can be hard when you know it's the same stuff again and again for 61 games yeah analyzing socials plan a has a limited shelf life let's hope there's a there's at least a slight difference to it for the first couple of months of next season to give us a little bit fresh emphasis um we're going to take a break over the summer um uh, i think ed in particular I'll, I'll do some but ed in particular is going to do some interviews with various people which will drop us kind of specials into the feed to keep stuff going uh, keep the content rolling but um, uh, in terms of proper shows, uh, I think we are done until uh, the end of pre-season, um, where we'll do a season preview. You don't want to. You don't want to do in-depth tactical analysis of United's pre-season tour in Malta, then, Paul. No, thank you. Um, but ah. thanks to all the listeners, Patreon backers, stay tuned. Everyone else, see you in like August. August. Take care. <laughs>